Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is going to be episode 380 and just me this week, your host, Casey Maluli. I'll be flying solo at least to start and then actually all three of the guys will be joining me. Tom, Tim, and Brendan will be joining me, not live, but they will be joining me later on in the podcast. So... As most of our listeners know, we try to talk about topics that we find relevant, whether that's in the financial media or uh, on our corner of Twitter, financial Twitter or FinTwit. But we also like to talk about things that people that we work with, our clients are talking about and are coming to us with and asking us questions about. And one of the more common themes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks has been this narrative around inflation and specifically what that means for your financial plan and what that means for your investments. So there are a couple popular misconceptions or misnomers or just associations that are made that aren't necessarily true about inflation and investing. The first most popular misconception about inflation and your investments would be that de-risking your portfolio is the right thing to do if you're concerned about inflation moving forward. We're not saying that this is what we're doing. We're just saying this is hypothetically, if you believe inflation is going to continue and be significant in the future, one of the things that you would think to do is to de-risking your portfolio, whether that means getting out of the market completely, getting putting all of your money into cash, or you know adjusting your asset allocation down to, to something more conservative. And while that might feel like the safe, right thing to do, that is actually the riskiest and worst thing that you can do. I'll say that again. While de-risking your portfolio might feel safe, it is actually the riskiest thing you can do. And why is that? Well, your money today will not be worth the same amount in 10, 20, or 30 years. Things will cost more in the future than they do today. And in order to keep up with that fact is by investing in the companies that are making the things that we are paying for. One of the reasons why you have to invest in the stock market is because simply just hoarding cash will not keep up with inflation. If you think inflation is going to be rampant in the future, you would actually want to own more of stocks to act as as more of an inflation hedge. Again, we're not saying that, that this is what we're doing with our plans or our our allocations, but we're just trying to address some of the questions that people are coming to us with. I have some interesting statistics to share from a recent post from Ben Carlson, who blogs over at A Wealth of Common Sense. He actually looked at the individual years, what the inflation rate was, and what the S&P 500 returned. And what he found, this is dating all the way back to 1928, so about 90 years of data here. And what he found is that there's no clear pattern. Interesting. Just because inflation is high doesn't necessarily mean that investments are going to be bad. And just because inflation is low doesn't necessarily mean that investments are going to be good. Those things are not necessarily true. So 
he looked at the, there were 17 years that he tracked where inflation was the highest in the United States. They were mostly in the 1940s and around the 1970s. Eight out of those 17 years, the S&P 500 was up double digits. Nearly one third of the times, returns in the S&P 500 were more than 20%. The average return for the S&P 500 in these 17 years when inflation was the highest was actually 9.4%, which is basically the long-term average over the last 90 years. So what Ben's point is saying is that inflation doesn't necessarily mean anything at all for your investments. If anything, it's, it's pretty normal in terms of the dispersion of returns. It's always good to put numbers behind these sorts of things and to deal in numbers and not in narratives. One of the other popular misconceptions that we often hear when inflation fears are peaking is gold and how we should be buying physical gold because dollars won't be worth anything in the future. And, and I just wanted to share some numbers around that quickly. Gold is supposed to do well when inflation is running hot. Year to date in 2021, when inflation has been so bad, quote unquote, so bad, gold is down 6% and hasn't made any money since 2011. So in the last 10 years, gold has been flat. We've had these conversations before, you know, there's, there's nothing really new in the stock market. Um, there's no real new stories. That's what, you know, you always hear that. And it's kind of true. So we actually had a conversation about gold and how it's not a good inflation hedge. We had this conversation about a year and a half ago, all the way back in May of 2020, when some of the first um, crazy economic data points were coming out from the pandemic. We talk about how gold is an uncorrelated asset, not a negatively correlated asset, and how that's not what you want when you're building an investment portfolio. So here's a clip of that conversation from May of 2020. The article also then went on to move from long bonds to gold. And I feel like the same thing is is true for what we just said about long bonds. The same thing is true with gold, only just amplified to an even more violent stage because gold just swings up and down on an even more violent path than than long-term bonds would. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because I know that Brendan is about to give his his investment thesis behind gold. <laughs> I just I just think that like if you're going to look at long-term bonds like insurance, which I think John wrote in the article and I think makes a lot of sense. So you're going to have a cost in years where the market is up, you're going to have a cost, your insurance premium, because you, you had these bonds in your portfolio and you didn't need it because you didn't have a car wreck. But if you're going to infuse gold into that to be a diversifier, you talk about things like golds, gold and like just all alternatives in general. You hear this for things like managed futures and, and a lot of alternative investment strategies. They're uncorrelated. That doesn't mean it, that they're negatively correlated. So meaning like instead of having an insurance policy, so like treasury bonds, and this doesn't always work perfectly for them either. Sometimes they go down in tandem with the market, but they're probably the best thing out there we've got in terms of offsetting market losses. So with that, you have just a pure insurance policy, meaning like you crash your car, the stock market's down, your bonds are going to offset you to some degree based on how much insurance you bought, how much your money you had in bonds. But It's the airbag. Right. But if you do that with gold, gold is just random. So you could like 
you could drive around and have it's a nice sunshiny day and you just go for a drive and they're like here here's here's the payout and you're like what's this for i didn't crash my car and gold's like hey just just take this money it's fine and then you crash your car and gold's no, nowhere to be found nothing to offset your losses whatsoever because gold is random there is no, it's not like there for you when the market goes down. It might be down more than the market. But considered in the context of an overall portfolio, like like a lot of alternative strategies are, you can look at it and say, hey, you got a similar return and the volatility like wasn't as bad. And so like you should have five or 10 or whatever percent in this thing. Again, I just think like the behavioral risk, you're like, hey, you know, bonds and stocks did this like. What the heck is gold doing? Like, why is it doing that? And if it's not there to help you when when you need it in terms of offsetting risk, I'm just I'm not sure most people can hang with an asset class like that in their portfolio. Yeah. So if your thesis is just like gold went up the last couple of months, <laughs> let's let's put money into it. Like, I just we talk about how hard it is to time the market with like stocks. Trying to time gold, oh, if you like Good luck, if you like GLD today at the price at that, you could have bought it at this price in 2011. Almost and you, 10 years. And you would have been underwater the entire time from then until now. Yeah. So I don't like I don't know about moving forward into the future. I just know that in the past, gold has been totally random. And I'm just like to to bake that in as a big component of your portfolio, I just like I don't know what you should expect from that. It it might help moving forward. It might not. It might be a diversifier. It might not. I don't know. We don't know. I mean one of the one of the arguments that I heard recently was hey, the Fed printed, I'm using air quotes, printed money coming out of 2008, you know, with all this quantitative easing. And now they're doing even more printing. We got to have inflation with that. So don't you think that gold will do well? I don't necessarily so we, believe that. We had an episode of the podcast within the last year where we talked about gold as an inflation hedge. And I have numbers because I remember talking about this. So since 1975, when it became legal to own gold again, uh, on, on a real basis, meaning adjusted for inflation, gold has returned 0.8% a year annualized. Stocks have returned 8.3% a year annualized on a real basis over that time period, meaning that should be the primary in inflation hedge in your portfolio, just stocks. And bonds, so again, maybe not the best predictor of future returns, but over this time period from 75 through that's 45 years through last year, you got 5% a year real return on your bonds. Now, again, with yields where they are today, I'm not sure you're going to get a real return on your bonds, but I think you probably still want to own them as an insurance for your portfolio anyway, if you're at such a stage where you can't afford the volatility because you're living off your money or close to it. But even if there's no like if there's no real return, then if gold is supposed to be the inflation hedge, I just I'm not sure I see a historical precedent for that. You could you could look during pockets of that time where it was, but then you could see other times where it wasn't. So I'm not sure you could bank on that in the future if there even is inflation because we heard the same boogeyman stories about inflation coming out of the financial crisis and right. the inflation and that never happened? the inflation no. never came. Yeah. So it, it I thought the way that uh, it was phrased in the article made a lot of sense. Good news about gold, the returns were uncorrelated with equities. They're going to do their own thing. Yeah. So and he said the bad news about gold is the correlation was not negative. Right. right. There you so go. it's Which not is, yeah. so it means that you know, if you have if your stock portfolio has a car crash, 
and you own gold, you could actually have a car crash and crash into your house. Right. You know, it could be even worse. The gold, yeah, the gold could be down too. Yeah. Um, and again, like like we said, uh, no guarantees for bonds being the perfect seesaw relationship with stocks either. But if we're using history as any kind of a guide, uh, and if we're not doing that, I don't know what we're supposed to do, um, then I think treasuries remain the best ballast to the portfolio in terms of offset, offsetting stock risk. All right, before we move on to our next topic, please give us the Warren Buffett definition of gold as an investment. Oh, is, is he the one who called it a pet rock or was that Jason Zweig? I can't I can't. I thought it was Buffett. Yeah, I think, well, you know, they, I think, go hand in hand. Zweig edited uh, The Intelligent Investor of Graham. So a lot of, a lot of their stuff gets intertwined in my head. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's, there's no, there's no return stream like we can project from a business or from a bond uh, from the government or a company. Like there's there's nothing to project with gold. It's just a rock that you find in the ground and, and you have to sell it to somebody later for more than you paid for it today. And to predict what people's feelings are going to be about gold in the future, I, I just I don't really know. So, yeah, gold. Not not a great inflation hedge historically. It worked once. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work again in the future. But like I said, that's another popular suggestion that we hear. We hear all the time from from people. You know, if inflation is running hot, then you should own gold, and that is not necessarily true. So I wanted to jump forward. Well, jump forward from May, but back from where we are now, which is late October. So <laughs> wanted to move to another conversation that we had back in August of 2021. We were talking about tips. Tips are treasury inflation protected securities. And some of these funds were, were raking in a lot of inflows this year, meaning that a lot of people were moving money into this area of the market because they were concerned about inflation. We talk about another typical suggestion that we hear, which is if you're concerned about inflation, then you should be getting into things like structured notes or fixed annuities. The idea behind this is you want with these products is that they pitch you on locking in a, a certain rate. And if it sounds too good to be true, that's because it usually is. And we, we break down why these things, you know, if you're locking in a fixed rate, how that isn't a great inflation hedge either. And we hit on why, again, stocks are the best inflation hedge out there. So we're just going to jump right into that conversation from August of this year. Yeah, bonds are not the inflation hedge of your portfolio. And right. so I would just like, we like when things fulfill the role. And it would be great to have a portfolio, like a piece of the portfolio that did it all. But that's not how it works. So stocks are there to hedge against inflation and to, and to make sure you get the growth you need for your plan to work. Bonds are there to preserve principal and make sure that the account's not so volatile that you can't handle it and to fund cash flows that are you know coming up in the next few years. And that's why they marry together like peanut butter and jelly. Like they're, they're just great, great components of uh, the portfolio there. And I think it, it's worth keeping that in mind because if obviously if we could have something that did both of those, That'd be perfect, and we would invest in that all the time. But uh, short of that, you need to pair things up uh, appropriately. You mean like structured notes? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if some if somebody's promising, it, it kind of reminds me of how we talk about uh, like variable annuities in many cases. Yeah. It's like, okay, 
you have insurance and you have investments, and they can both serve a role for a financial plan. People need to insure risks that they're not capable of otherwise bearing on their own. Great, buy insurance for that. Investments are investments, like you, you invest for a reason, so, so do that, and do not combine those two things. And so, yeah, when you try to combine inflation hedge and you know safety, I think you get the worst of both worlds, meaning like high fees and complexity and just garbage. Yeah, very well said. I think when we when we're talking about again, I don't want to hijack the the idea behind the the podcast, but you know when we're talking about things like annuities and structured notes and crazy stuff like that, if they were that great, why are they offering it to you? And why are they paying somebody five percent to sell it to you? In some cases, nine percent. Yeah. To sell it to you. Yeah. So I was just about to ask the both of you, who do you think is buying these funds? Is Powell. Are the are the buy yeah Powell <laughs> are are these folks that are buying these investments are they just people on their own who are finding this and thought they've discovered a pot of gold or are these financial advisors who are luring people into this kind of stuff? Now I'm not saying that these things are bad. They're not, but they have a role. Uh, yeah, but they're misleading in terms of when they cite return uh, yields that are six, seven, eight percent. That's just wrong. I'm sure there are some people buying it because of that, but you know, I think I think for the most part, people are buying tips because they think inflation is going to be high and they want yeah. to preserve their it's a their principle. And uh, and I yeah, it's anybody's guess as to whether that will play out well for them or not. But uh, I know how it's turned out for the last. 30 plus years for people who have done that. So, I mean, maybe it'll be different this time. I think people uh, in general tend to lose their minds when we start talking about inflation because they, it's, it's invisible. They can't see it. The only place that they do see it is at the grocery store or at the gas pump or when they're trying to buy a house and they see this. Or a used car. Right. Hmm. Uh, so they see this price appreciation for no good reason. But, you know, the point that we try to drive home with people is if you are investing in companies, companies that can, yeah, they've got to pay their employees more money, of course, but they can also raise their prices to keep up with the cost of their materials and still maintain a healthy profit margin that may be the single best hedge against inflation that you could find. Agreed. But I think people forget that. They're like, we gotta have crypto. We gotta have gold. Stocks. Yeah. Stocks are the way to go. So with all of these things in mind, with how de-risking is not the right thing to do, dispelling the gold myth, and then touching on some of the fixed product environment these are these are things that we're paying attention to and that we're hearing frequently whether it's from people in the media or from our clients so like i said at the very beginning we want to let you know what our our thoughts are on these on these subjects and and that's what the whole goal of these podcast videos and blog posts are is to share our thoughts on these subjects with you our listeners so that's going to do it for episode 380 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And if you have any questions, please feel free to get in touch with us. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. 
All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.